Are you ready to hear Trip and Ryan's number ones? Because the NBA draft season has officially begun. And it's a lot of fun. fun. All right, cool. This is kind of a joint rhyme. I'm Trip. I'm Ryan. And this is Pavement Sweat. It is. And we are back. I guess the draft season actually hasn't officially, officially begun. It is Monday evening. The draft lottery is tomorrow. And we're still in the midst of the NBA playoffs. Yep. Just got done with the conference semifinals in the East and the West. And Which tomorrow, we'll talk about. Yeah, we're definitely going to get deep into that. Yep. And then tomorrow, the conference finals begin. Crazy. <sighs> crazy stuff going on. I guess I guess we should probably start with a uh, announcement that oh, yeah. merch has merch. dropped. Merch. Huge announcement. Merch has dropped. Officially dropped. Um, it's available at printyourcause.com. And we, they're a local company that we've, you could say, partnered with. You could say that. That um, if you go to Payments Web Podcast Instagram, then you can find the post where the link is attached. It's also in the bio. Mm -hmm. So you can, and also the link will be attached to this episode as well. Yeah. And maybe every future episode. Yeah. Why don't we just attach it? I think we will. We've got shirts. Long sleeve and short sleeve shirts. Hoodies, mugs, and a cap. Yeah. In many different color combinations. Yeah. I love it. It's there's there is uh twenty one items. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Twenty one items. So cool. Yeah. I'm glad that we've made it this far. Thanks to Print Your Cause for helping. Yes. But now let's get into the episode. First, starting off with a recap of the conference semifinals because last week none of the series had been completed. So let's go one by one each of those series. I guess let's first start off with the one that ended least recently, and that's the Sixers and the Heat, which we were right about two weeks ago and then changed our minds last week and ended up being wrong. So basically, yep. Embiid was out the first two games. Heat got off to an early lead. He came back. Sixers tied the series 2-2. At that point, we're thinking, with Embiid, the Sixers look good, but Eric Spolstra did... What we were thinking, criticizing, criticizing him for not for. doing, and he adjusted to the way that the Sixers were creating open yep. looks with Embiid in the middle, yep. and the Heat dominated the last two games of the series, particularly Jimmy Butler, who's just having himself a heck of a playoff run so far. But he hasn't played any real NBA defenses, in my opinion. So, what, what do you think yeah. about the series? Do you have any takeaways of this series? Um, yeah, I got, I got several, and the first one. While we're talking about Jimmy Butler versus defenses, yes, he hasn't played against a legitimate NBA stifling defense, but he's about to. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, you know, finishing off on that, we said last episode, I said last episode, that when he's scoring a lot, it's not a good thing for the Heat. Yeah. And I think he kind of proved that maybe he's developed as a scorer beyond that. But again, weak defense that relies almost entirely on scoring, um, you know, it's going to be easier to score against the Sixers. So the Heat played really well in the last two games. Spolstra made an adjustment. I couldn't really, you know, I didn't watch enough of it to figure that out because mm -hmm. the end of last week was pretty busy. And I was more into Bucks Celtics. Well, as a, I to be honest, it, and I watched yeah. it as a fan as, of the Sixers. Well, what did you think Spolster did? So yes, yeah, what I said. Basically, when Embiid 
came back, what we were able to do was he was positioned basically at the free throw line within a couple inches either way, and the defense would double him, and then we'd get open looks for our shooters. Even though he was having off-shooting because of his injuries, probably, they were treating him as the MVP, and because of that, you had Tyrese getting open looks, Tobias Harris getting open looks, and they didn't treat him the same way on the defensive side of the ball in games five and six, and... They left it up to one-on-one matchups. He had two really poor shooting performances, and then the rest of the Sixers, too. Just atrocious. Uh, a lot is being said about James Harden, specifically his Game 6 performance, in which I'm pretty sure he scored 11 points. He took two shots in the second half, which, ironically, is the same number that Ben Simmons took in their Game 7 loss against the Hawks. So, just something to put out there that may be what they thought they were fixing hasn't really been fixed. Right. Many questions about what they should do. Should they max Harden? Should they give him a max extension? Is Harden the same player that he was in Houston? Looking like he's definitely not. But is he worth the max? Can they win a championship with that duo? I remember you said they were the best duo in the league when when they got together. Initially at the trade. They looked great. Yeah. And something happened. And and it just didn't it just didn't click in the playoffs. Maybe that was injuries. Maybe it is age. I don't know. My thoughts are that it's partially injuries, as it always is with older duos. But to me, there wasn't enough time for them to mesh. Potentially, yeah. Um. So I think they should give him an extension. I don't think they should just. Well, say, if they don't give him the max, then maybe somebody else will. Right. That's my fear. I don't know if anyone's going to risk that. You don't think if the, the Sixers aren't willing to risk it, what about a des- like less desperate team? I mean, the Sixers seem like one of the only teams who are desperate enough to offer him the max. Good I point. don't know who else would Yeah. at this point. Is it worth it, do you think, or not? If it came down to that. Well, if, you'd have to look at other offers. If he was all about the money, the Sixers... But I don't think he is. If he was, and the right. Pacers offered him a max deal, and the Sixers have to match that. What, what are you doing if you're the Sixers? If well, but he's unrestricted, so I, I don't really. I mean, well, I'm, I don't. I don't mean he, yeah. they have to match it. I'm just saying he's right. gonna take the deal with money. the most okay, money. So he. What do you do if you're the Sixers? You pay him the max if you have to. Or? I guess you have to. I think you have yeah, to. You have to. You have to run it back. Dar- I, I agree. Daryl Morey has said he's committed to Doc Rivers at the he- as Ooh. head coach. He said that. It um, seems like Sixers fans are done with him. And they, they are not be. even having a meeting about the future. So it, it kind of seems like maybe he really is committed to him. Because, I mean, GMs say that a lot. But it seems like maybe it's true. So if we're really just going to run back oh, this roster, gosh. that worries me. Oh. Healthy Embiid probably would have won this series. but Backtracking my mind to when this trade first happened, sure. they absolutely still can win a championship. And I think they should run it back. But I not with Doc. I, I exactly. Yeah. I was about to say, but not with the same head coach. Because Tyrese Maxey's probably going to improve a little bit too. Yep. So sure. We're just going to have maybe to see what happens. sign someone better than DeAndre Jordan. You know, you develop your young guys. God, we need the uh, depth. Even just yeah. just have a good off season. Yeah, you get you get some three and D guys. Yeah. That are super valuable. Patrick Beverly. Sure, Patrick right. Beverly. He's not gonna. Who but... we'll we'll talk about. Um, yeah, we will. 
um, so, you know, someone like Robert Covington. I mean, people like that. He's the best that. 3 yeah. and D guy in the league. I know? mean, you you have guys that like that who are just so valuable, especially to a team that needs depth. Then get those guys. Um, if they have a good off season where it's kind of under the radar, yeah. But then these guys come out and they're better than, you know. I always forget his name because you know, Paul Reed. That's the guy, Paul yeah, Reed. I always forget his name because he's kind of forgettable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can do better than that. Um, yeah, we'll see. But I believe that they will have a good. I think they're an attractive destination. Mm-hmm. All right, but let's let's shift focus to the winner of the series, the Heat. Yeah, they're the number one seed, most wins in the East. I think it's fifty three, right? Yeah. So why are, are should they be the favorites in the East? N- no. Okay. Because they're going to face the Celtics, mm. who are the two seed because of the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, they would have been. And that's the only reason. Well, I told you, winner of Bucks celtics was going to be the uh, NBA champion. champion, barring an injury, big injury. Well, now I think so. I think the Celtics will win it all. So do I. So let's shift focus to that series <clears throat> just really quick. And it looked like it was it was over. After Game Five, yep. they had alternated wins, and that continued up until Game Seven. Bucks got Game One, Celtics two, Bucks three, Celtics four, and then the Bucks go into TD Garden in that pivotal Game Five. They always say Game Five in the tied two-two series. That's the one that normally decides the series. They come, Which is true. It's they, around eighty percent. Yeah, they were down ninety-three seventy-nine, down by fourteen points at one point. Giannis has a crazy fourth quarter. He hits two threes. Bobby Portis, an epic putback. Drew Holiday, game-saving steal. Yep. The Bucks win in TD Garden. So you're thinking they have a home a, game. They have a home game. They could win in six. And then even if they lose, they got TD. And it didn't happen. The Celtics won game six in Milwaukee and then took care of business handedly in game seven at home. Uh, Grant Williams had his career high in playoffs or regular season, 27 points. And it was immediately apparent at the beginning of the game that the Bucks had game planned to leave Grant Williams open. In the first quarter alone, he had, I think he started off the game with like five wide open threes. He didn't make them all. And the announcers commented on it. They said, nope, they're going to let Grant Williams beat them. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It was a little bit of a variance in shot quality kind of rearing its head but i absolutely think that the celtics deserve that game and they deserve the series for sure i think they're the better team they're yeah they're the better team and uh i um gosh the the bucks coach's name is gone mike Mike Boonholzer. yeah sorry jeez we've talked about him so much i can't i couldn't remember um yeah, he certainly did not make any adjustments. He never does. As, as, Grayson Allen. As the game went along. Grayson, Grayson Allen. Allen is was very valuable to the team in the regular season. And not in the so, first round. Even. And in the first round, but, but not against the Celtics. Nope. He, he was did just, nothing on offense. And he was targeted on defense. Yeah. He was minus 39 in game six, I believe. He was minus on both sides of the ball. Yeah. He, he just is against... And then he started, and he was quickly taken out late in game six. And after a poor defensive possession, he was targeted immediately. Tatum went at him, taken out of the game. And then people thought, okay, maybe Coach Bud finally is not going to play him anymore. Started game seven. 
inexcusable. Um, yeah, to me, this game was not the shooting luck of Grant Williams that won the Celtics the game. I agree with you. It, it wasn't was, that. No. It was... Uh, Budenholzer was perpetually outcoached by in the game Udoka. seven by Ime Udoka. Yeah. Who, that's nothing... That's that I'm not like oh by Ime Udoka no, no Ime Udoka I mean, yeah, learn his name if you don't know him already, yeah. because a rookie head coach, and his team is going to win the championship. Well, well so uh, or the Warriors, but yeah, like still, yeah. I mean, any they're going to beat the Heat. Any have, of the four teams, I have so much confidence. You don't know beat the Heat. Tatum could go down. You don't know what's going. I know, but yeah, if you know full strength, I think so. They're I, they're such a well-rounded, polished. Well-oiled machine. They are good. They're a well-oiled machine. Let's talk quickly about the MVP, which I know is annoying to talk about every week. Yeah. But all of the top three MVP candidates were eliminated by the second round. Jokic out in the first round in five games, just because the Warriors were that much better than the Nuggets. Yep. Giannis out in seven against this Celtics team, who are the favorites to win it all. Yeah. In my eyes. I think in most people's analytical eyes. Yeah. And then Joel Embiid out in six games to the Miami Heat. I just want to kind of comment on that to show how great the NBA is right now. That you can have the three top MVP candidates Go out in the second round. Nobody's really freaking out about it except for the Giannis. Because everyone's like, oh... You know, he's in for a rude awakening. And it, it does go to show that LeBron is just so impressive that he was able to make it back to the finals consistently over a 10-year span. Giannis, in a loaded Eastern Conference, is not going to be able to do that. It's just going to be harder to win because the quality of every team is so much better, even than it was 10 years ago when LeBron was dominating the East. But I also wanted to bring that up just to say that Jason Tatum, my MVP is still alive. Not that the playoffs matter. But again, outcoached was the reason. Much better yeah. team. Yeah. No, and nobody's going to argue that Giannis is better than Is Tate. the best player on the planet. Or no, he is. He is. He is. Uh, yeah. yeah. He is the best player on the planet. He is. No it's, doubt. It, there's no question. And he won three games. The Bucks didn't win three games. He, he did. did. He really did. And if they had Middleton, they would have won, the, won four. They would have won the series. And yeah. would have gone on. Um... But speaking of coaching battles, we had kind of a a story that's been going on between us all season long. Yes. Which is... Jason Kidd. You have the stronghold of... You know, you have the, the king of coaches right now. Coach of the year. Monty Williams. Monty Williams, who, if you want to talk about well-oiled machines... The Suns. The Suns have been for the last two years. Ever since Chris Paul came there. And then you have Jason Kidd. Who came to Dallas at the beginning of the season to the dismay of the majority of NBA fans and who pledged that he would that he was different, that he had learned his lesson, that he would be much more engaging with younger guys yeah. and connect with his players better. He absolutely did that and coached his team to the conference finals. Yes. I agree with you. And I was wrong. I was. I said that the Mavericks were not going to be good this year. They were going to be stagnant. They weren't going to be able to make it out of the first round like they have been. And they've made it out of the second round. Not only mm -hmm. the first, but the second. And they couldn't have done it without Jason Kidd. That's for sure. His defense 
schemes. It's been great. Are incredible. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. Uh, the Suns were not able to run their favorite stuff. Chris Paul looked like you could either Lost. say he looked like a 12-year-old boy or what he is, which is like a 50-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Looks like he aged overnight. Yeah. More turnovers than I've ever seen him have live. Devin Booker didn't shoot the ball well. Part of that's just luck. 4 of 13. But a lot of it is confidence. And yeah, yeah. I was wrong about Jason Kidd. 3 of 14, sorry. Yeah. I was wrong about Jason Kidd. He was great. But you can't talk about this series without just worshipping Luka Doncic. Yeah. 30 minutes, 35 points in Game 7. To look at the quarter breakdown, it was 27-17 to 17 at the end of the first. Then in the second quarter, the Mavericks scored 30 to the Suns' 10. And then even in the third, they scored 35 to the Suns' 23. Jeez. Absolute domination. 30 points. They won by like 32. That was an understatement. They were almost up by 50 yeah. at one point. I think they might have like, been. I think the highest lead was 44, yeah. 45. Insane. Yeah. In a game seven on the road. On the road. On the road. In Phoenix. And you're talking about and also... Phoenix has been... You know, in an electric place. A hard place to win recently. Yeah. Uh, Also, Spencer Dinwiddie, worth mentioning, for his Game 7, which was 30 points on 92% true shooting. My goodness. Another thing that is needing to be talked about regarding the Suns, doesn't need to be talked about, but I think it's pretty funny. They go up 2-0, drop 2, win Game 5. When it was 2-0, it was over. It was over. Everybody was talking trash. Mm-hmm. You had the video of Devin Booker doing the Luca special. You've seen that or not? Where he is in mm-hmm. the middle of a game, flops, over-exaggerates it to be funny, and then looks at a fan sitting courtside and says that was the Luca special because of the flopping. The Suns go go up three two even, and then Luca walking back through the tunnel after the game says everybody talks when they're up something like that, basically saying. The Suns, Legendary. He is, a, like, this is why the... He the, never counts himself out. No. And nor should he. No. Just because of the shots that he creates for his teammates. And, I mean, the even. team they've built with, with, I mean, crazy weird contracts. I mean, they've got Bertans and Kleber, and they're just throwing together all these pieces to make Luka happy. And they made it work. And now they're in the conference finals with a good chance to beat the Warriors. How good is that chance? 30, 35% All right. maybe? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. Yeah. Luca, man. And and nobody... Luca doesn't remind me of anybody more than he reminds me of James Harden in the Houston years. Not sure. necessarily because of exactly how they play, although I do think it's pretty similar. But because the Mavericks are a playoff team... And they are based on one guy. They are. Yeah. They do have a lot of people. Like, Spencer Dinwiddie's great. Jalen Brunson's great. Max Kleber's great. The team is But you've even said before they cannot win a championship running it through him only. Because his usage is insane. Yeah. The amount of possessions that he has I said that. That they would need someone else that has a lot of usage potential. And people said the same thing about Harden. Yeah. And they were right. True. They were never able to do it. They came oh so close. Yeah. Can Luca do it? Can they do it even this year? Can they do it? I mean, they can't do it this year. No. Because you run into a team like the Warriors or the Celtics. And specifically the Celtics, I'll say. 
mm-hmm. who are just ready for anything and have the pieces to combat anything. But did, didn't we think that about the Suns too? I agree with Last you, year Last year I thought so. I think they're better this year. Yeah. They, they were going to pick to win it all. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And I it, it just seems like the biggest thing was I don't it, it confused me, but it did seem like the aging overnight thing for Chris Paul. I think it was confidence more than anything. It, and and what we said last episode. Yeah. I I mentioned how the energy was so much different on one sideline or one bench compared to the other bench. And the confidence that the Mavericks played with where the Suns were like, kind of like the Yankees where they have to, I hate to, you know, I know you're a Yankees fan, but Mm -hmm. that's the prime example where it's like, you know, they have to live by this code and they don't do anything fun. They're just business, business. And a lot of times, especially when it comes to momentum and, you know, changing the tide of a series, the Mavericks took advantage of that, which as underdogs you have to do. Yep. So I thought they did that extremely well. And again, the adjustments, the coaching, Monty Williams got out coached in game seven. He did. He had no answer for Luca. A lot of it was just crazy Luca stuff. Who, yeah, I was about Can to you say, really coach? Who does have an but answer? But when you're down by. 45 in the third then you know you messed up as a coach yeah so uh yeah props to jason kidd i stuck with him i said i'm gonna give this guy a chance and here the mavericks are yep proud of luca but still i think he'll need a better second guy than spencer dinwiddie to win the championship no matter how high his ceiling is well we're just gonna see and that that brings us to the last series, not much to talk about. Warriors, Grizzlies, yeah. six-game series. Grizzlies gave them a run for their money, even without Jaw. They took a game where they looked dominant. They dominated, but um, then they got yeah. destroyed. Just because of Game Six, Clay. Game know, Six, Clay. Yep, famous for it. Thirty yeah. points. Um, the Warriors just have so many guys. You know, Steph, Clay, Poole, that can go off. Even Wiggins potentially. You know, you never know. Um, so. I always said that the Warriors, if Steph was healthy, if they made it to this point and they they did draw the Suns, they would win in that matchup. The Mavericks are a different team than the Suns. We saw a lot of battles this regular season between the Warriors and the Suns that looked like previews, and the Warriors ended up getting the best of Phoenix, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I don't know what to expect as much against Dallas. Obviously, I think the Warriors are a more well-rounded team. I think they have a more balanced attack, but every team in the playoffs does. So, I think it all comes down to Luka making shots and Steph making shots. Yeah, I think I think it comes down too much to Luka, to the point where the Mavericks are going to lose. Well, Where it's too much on him. The only other thing, though, to, to talk about is... The Mavericks were able to stop Chris Paul and Devin Booker, yes, but they also had very bad shooting performances. Yeah. Steph Curry is prone to that in the playoffs. It does happen. So if the Mavericks are able to capitalize on that, who knows? But like you happen. said, they have the they have the well-rounded scoring attack where they have four pool. They have three elite scorers. I don't really trust Clay right now, honestly. Okay, two elite scorers yeah. and two 
good score, great scores. Yeah. And then you've got guys like Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, yeah, Juan Toscano Anderson, Gary Payton the second, guys like this who are reliable championship players. Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, people like that. They just they can just come in and they don't have to play much, but they just they're professionals and they can be the little extra push to win a championship. The Warriors could easily win a championship. I mean, yeah. I mean, they easily. have a, as good of a chance as anyone. Yeah. And maybe the best chance. I don't think they do, but a lot of people seem to right now. I hope they don't, because I want the Warriors dynasty to just be over yeah, already. Yeah, me too. Because if if they any of the other three teams that win it would be a new yeah, like, and we like that new superstar. It could be Luca, yeah. Tatum, Jimmy Butler. We like that. I do like that. Yeah. Um. So since there's not much to say about sure Grizzlies Warriors, I guess let's just move on to predicting and analyzing the future matchups. We already did. Let's that do it a little bit, but. Yes, Warriors, Mavs. Warriors are more balanced, um, more experienced in the playoffs. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's been a big theme so far. Luka, you forget, has only played four different teams. He's yeah. played the Clippers, the Jazz for two games. Is he still 21? He uh, might be 22 now. Doesn't matter. It's crazy how young he is. He's only played, but I mean, that's the thing. He's only played... Four different teams. Davion Mitchell is older than him. 23. That is wild. Yeah. Davion Mitchell is older. That is wild. And look at Luca's resume. Yeah. His NBA his resume. His NBA resume. And even Olympics and, I mean, yeah. his basketball resume. I mean, yeah. I'm going to take the Warriors in... I'm going to do it, too. I'm going to do what you're going to do. I'm going to drag it out to seven. So am I. Just Really? Because- I don't actually think... I'm surprised. I don't think that's the most likely outcome. I could see Warriors in six. I could see Mavs in seven. But see I'm, Warriors in five. Sure. Sure. I'm picking Warriors <laughs> in seven because I'm not sure. And I just yeah. want... I want the number of games to reflect the uncertainty that I yeah. feel about the series. Just game seven. Let's see another game seven. I don't want to bet against Luka. Yeah. I don't I, either. I have been. Because you can't. And it's yeah. not smart to. That's for sure. Yeah. That's all I have to say about this series. The other one, I'm sure about this one. Celtics in six well, at most. Yeah, me too. But before we get to that, I do want to oh, okay. ask one question about Luka. This is just an open question to anything, actually. Who is the best player remaining in the playoffs as of right now? P.J. Tucker. I was thinking that. <laughs> Steph Curry, probably. All right, I don't have. But an Jason Tatum is right there. I think it's Jason. Tatum. And Luca's right there. I think it's Tatum. Yeah, two-way guy. But yeah, yeah. defense. Defense, especially matters. what he proved with Kevin Durant and Giannis. He didn't guard him much. Giannis is better, but yeah, Tatum. Sure, I'll say Tatum because Curry's only value is in defensively is in team defense, and that's thanks to a great system. So, yeah. Um... One more thing is we forgot to address Patrick Beverly's comments. About Chris Paul. About Chris Paul. Yeah, this was today. He went on first take after the series and he said, nobody is scared of playing the Suns, specifically Chris Paul. Yeah. He said that there's a different aura with Chris Paul and Steph Curry, which isn't wrong. He says wrong. He, he goes to get steak and then goes to bed at like midnight 
if we're different. playing Chris Paul and goes to bed at 8 o'clock when playing Steph Curry the next day. Which yeah. isn't true. He doesn't actually do that. No. And he's horribly mistaken. And also, I mean, he has he's no place to say that. He's not. I mean, nobody's afraid to play him. Yeah. Mr. Crying when the... He's t- a little, like... He's a pest. Intimidating. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Maybe you don't want to try to play offense against him, but on defense, what do you... I mean, you're just trying to play help defense at that point, if you're guarding Patrick Beverly. Amen. So, I don't think he has much... And he and Chris Paul are enemies. Yeah. So, it's like, kind of... Comes from a very biased perspective. Good for ratings on TV, but not something... Well, that's what it was all about. Yeah. Not something I would really put much stock into. Although I do agree that there is a different sort of... Yeah. Uh, aura around Curry than yeah. Paul, but there's a different aura around Steph Curry than every other player. Yeah. So I find that it's kind of, true. I find the comment misplaced, but I also do think that it does provide some insight into the into the series because even though Curry has somewhat of a reputation of failing in the playoffs, somewhat. Yeah. He's still much scarier historically in the playoffs than Chris Paul is. And he's much older, and it's been a while since his, he's been able to prove that. Much the, more experienced. This is definitely the best team that Luca will have ever faced in the playoffs. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, we, we've... We've exhausted that conversation. That series, yes. And I, I just want to say... Um, Celtics Heat? Yeah. I'm going to pick the Celtics in five. Yeah. I don't think it'll be very Six close. at most. Because uh, as much as I love Jimmy Butler, he doesn't have a consistent... He's going to get stumped. I, I think I'd say so too. They've maybe done average it to 15, 15 to 17. Yeah. I don't think he'll shoot as poorly as the other superstars because he'll know not to take the... Exactly. He's smarter about that. Yeah. But so he I just guess doesn't it, take it, it does shots. come down. I'm sure the Heat will take a game or two because he'll be passing to elite shooters that are sure. hitting that night. But I don't think that that'll happen consistently enough for the Heat to have a fighting chance in this yeah. series. If the Celtics are healthy, because they're just on a mission. And Giannis is so much better than Jimmy Butler or anybody on the Heat that it's a different conversation. Right now, you have the Heat, who are a very well put together team, unlike the Bucs. I would argue that the Bucs are not a well put together team necessarily. They are glued together by their best player. The Heat do have. And Brooke Lopez. Sure, yeah. Legend. The, The Heat do have a great best player. But they are a great team, just like the Celtics are, and the Celtics are so much better. Yeah. And I don't think that Jimmy Butler is threatening them based on no. superstar antics, like this Luka magic, that sort of thing, yeah. does not exist for anybody in Miami. And I think it exists for Tatum, and I think it exists for the entire Boston team. Yeah. So for that reason, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a sweep. I won't say that it will be, though. But yeah, Celtics win. Let's move on to. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's to... move on I was like, to. There's more, but no, there's not. That's it. There is. Yeah. Oh, the we, prospects. Oh, we, we got more to talk about. But yeah. when it comes to the playoffs, man, final four. We're already at the final four. Yeah. Already. I wish the NBA went into the summer. What am I gonna do? Well, the NHL end of playoffs will be on, and then baseball. And then baseball. Yeah. How exciting. But let's talk about what comes next for the NBA, and that's the future of the league, which is 
prospects. So basically what Ryan and I have done, like we said at the beginning of the episode, I really want to know. Yeah. The NBA draft lottery is tomorrow night where yep. we find out the order, you know, who gets to draft where. Yep. It's very important. Whatever. You, yeah. you know how the lottery works, yep. don't you, listener? Yep. But what I did, I found a list on the internet which basically yeah. orders the prospects based on where they are consensus-wise. Yeah. So this is not our order of where we rank the prospects, but we're going to talk about the five top five consensus prospects. We'll talk about where we have them ranked, strengths and weaknesses, stuff like that. Ryan told me before the episode that there is a clear number one for him. Yep. There's also a clear number one for me, but I don't know who his number one is. He doesn't know who mine is. I. He, We're gonna go through each player and then. All right. Let's, rank them. Let's do that. But then I also do want to point out that although Ryan and I reportedly have a clear number one. There is not a clear number one. No, there's one not. Consensus-wise, yeah. It could come down, the number one pick, could come down to who Team gets fit. the pick. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the first guy. I'll let you have the floor. All right. Well, the first guy on this list is Jabari Smith, a power forward from Auburn. He's 6'10". He's an elite shooting big man with one of the best shots we've seen from a big man in a while. With size and decent length. He struggles with driving and playing physically, but fits the modern NBA really well. He's able to stay in front of defenders, uh, despite some limitations in his athleticism. And it's, I like to compare this pick to the, NA, the NFL draft we just saw. He's the Aiden Hutchinson. He's the safe pick. He's the, because his floor is the, his, the highest right now. He's the most pro-ready player right now, to me. He's professional. He's talented. He's got a great shot. His numbers are really nice. Forty-five percent um, from three on five yeah. attempts per game. That's pretty that's good. really good. That's really good. I agree. I was thinking about it. What you said about yeah. how he has the highest floor right now. I agree with that. Yeah, I do. I really like him. I don't have much to add other than the fact that, yeah, he was pretty explosive in college. I, I disagree with what you said about his athleticism a little bit. I think he's athletic but not explosive on defense. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Because he, he had that crazy dunk in the second round of that the NCAA was tournament. The we dunk of the live. year. Yeah, yeah, we did. And cried a little. It was beautiful. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> and Bruce Pearl, coach of Auburn, seems to have an NBA-ready prospect every year. So Yep. Props to Isaac him. Okoro. Yeah, only 19 also, so cool. Yeah. Let's move on to the second guy, because I just don't have much to add. That's Paolo Banchero mm-hmm. from Duke. He's 19 years old also. He's also 6'10". You may not think it, but he's also 6'10". Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. When you look at him on the court, he doesn't seem to be, but he is. I think he's pretty NBA-ready on offense. He's got an iffy shot occasionally. Yeah. He's pretty streaky. streaky. He's not always engaged on defense, but I think that... The most attractive thing about him as a prospect is his physical tools. He's strong. He's 6'10", but doesn't look it because he's muscular. Elite lower body strength, his balance, ins- core. His inside game is going to be lethal. He's yeah. a very versatile player, and he was very successful at Duke, especially in the NCAA tournament, which is something that I actually think is overvalued when looking at prospects. Yeah. You shouldn't base where a player is drafted based on how they play in a handful of games. 
Um, but he did play very well, which might say something about his ability to perform under pressure with Duke, big blue-blooded school. Yeah. So He did crumble a little bit under the pressure. You think so? I thought so. And especially in that, Shooting, yeah. in, in that last game when they went down. He was not very good at all. True. Um, what do you, and then you there's the dehydration problem where he has to drink a special solution. I don't know about During this. the game. Yeah, what? you do. Do I? Yeah, he has to. Dr- he loses like seven pounds a game or something. Wow. From when the game starts to when it ends. I didn't know that. Yeah. He no. He loses like he has to do like he gets cramps, and he like is dehydrated. So they they make people call it like the you know the MJ juice from Space Jam. Yeah. They call it like that, and he has to he like loses all this weight during the games. And that like they can't figure it out. That is and it's kind of concerning. That is as a prospect, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Does that say something about his durability? It might hurt his draft stock. It's not really it looking to affect him in his young career, but as he starts to age, if you're looking at long term contracts, then teams start to worry about that a little bit. Yeah. But there's also optimism that they'll figure it out. But especially when there are so many guys at the And he's top still growing. This... That's that's one of the sorry to interrupt, no, but fine. that's one of the biggest reasons was that he grew, he grew so fast and he was still growing yeah. into his time at Duke. That that's pretty exciting know. too. Yeah. Who knows? Sure. Uh, let, maybe you... he'll be seven four by the time yeah. they draft him. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, I would say that of the, mm, I don't know. He he does have bust potential, I would say. He does have bust potential because he's he's got he's he lacks a, you say he's a versatile player, he can be, but at times he looked a little one-dimensional, especially in March well, Madness. Okay, that's because of But the, they have to develop that's that. That's because of his but shot maybe they selection. Don't. Yeah. He, he was really reliant on low efficient mid-rangers which a yeah. lot of successful players are, but he wasn't hitting but them. But that's why I think Jabari Smith can't be a bust, because he's he's already got the tools and the the way he thinks about the game figured out, whereas Paulo lacks lacks a focus on defense. He does. I and he sometimes loses track of his defender, or, or his, you know, while he's defending. And um, that kind of concerns me a little, that like maybe they won't develop his... Intangibles. Well, that's something that does depend on where he goes. Exactly. Because what we've found out more now in the modern day NBA than ever is that there is a difference in each team's development squad. Yeah. I mean, if you get drafted to Toronto, Sacramento. yeah, you have a better Yeah, Toronto, chance. yeah. yeah if, Toronto, if you have a large wingspan and you go to play for Nick Nurse, then you're going to be okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you are any player and you're drafted to Sacramento, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Let's move on to the third guy, Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 years old. He moves like a wing, but he can play guard and center. He's seven feet tall. He's a great defender. Got a lot of blocks this year. Played against not as great competition as Jabari Smith in the SEC right. or Paolo in the ACC because Gonzaga, technically a mid-major school. Uh, he hits transition threes he, while also being able to get inside. Only concern seems to be his weight. He is one hundred ninety-five pounds. Crazy, yeah. Even Mobley was two fifteen when he clocked in at the yeah. combine or whatever the combine is yeah. called. Yeah. Sorry, I got the NFL combine 
the NBA. I think it's. I don't know. I think it combine. Is. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's also twenty, so he's a year older than the other guys. Yeah. Because you know Gonzaga guys. Mm-hmm. Well, he was only around he for went, one year. Yeah, he was. I a guess he freshman. was. Yeah. Um, he's the unicorn type. You know, unicorn is where you have the highest ceiling. It's a it's a tall, lengthy, skinny guy. Think Kevin Durant as the ultimate unicorn. Yeah, poor but then Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah. Um, Evan Mobley is a defensive unicorn. You know where it's like this guy has the ceiling of top ten NBA player of all time, yeah. right? But you have to get him there. That's the hard part. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll completely fade out of the league. Um. So he's risky. He is. Especially because of the skinniness, and he he's a Good. He was a great rim protector in college, but if I'm looking at the more compact NBA drivers who have been around the game more, who who have worked on their bodies more, I think he's going to struggle at first on defense. Um, but his offensive ceiling is m- even higher than Kevin Durant's. Wow. His ceiling. I'm glad to hear. But the that. ceiling—that's a big word. Yeah. That's a. That's. I mean, ceiling is. But with unicorns, think about it. I mean, your his ceiling is Steph Curry, but seven feet. That's what I'm saying because he has the tools to do it. He has the physical tools, but he has to get there. Do I think he'll be Kevin Durant better than Kevin Durant all time? No. You can't say that about any prospect, though. Yeah. Yes, but he has the ceiling to do it. The ceil- the ceiling. I mean, the best you could possibly be. There you go. Sorry. That's it's it's a hard concept, but it, no, and, and I mean it's hard for general managers and yeah guys getting ready to draft. But, you know, it seems like he's worth the risk of a top three pick. Uh yeah, absolutely. Next we got Jaden Ivey out of Purdue, the shooting guard. Six mm-hmm. four. Yeah. Best athlete in the draft. He has the he has the speed to the rack of almost John Morant. Not quite John Morant. I saw a lot of comparisons to John, to John Morant. Morant. Yeah. But um, add elite on-ball defense. Add that. And he's a great defender. So, he reminds me of Garland a little bit. A little bit, in a way. He's a little burlier. He's a little more like... Patrick Beverly. Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, at least body-wise. Yeah. The only thing that worries me is And uh, he's taller. Scoring. He's much taller. Scoring yeah. worries me. He, he Shooting can, splits are rough. They're not great. He can score inside in college, but will that translate? But yeah. his improvement year to year has been promising. Mm-hmm. His shooting splits per year improvement are looking good. So it, you can tell that he's really working on it. Um... Yeah, I really, I mean. We've, okay, it's, it's important. Also to, high floor. It's important to note, I don't agree with that. I think he could, I think he could be a big bust. Um, really? He could be what we thought Garland was going to be after year one, I think. I think, it could happen. I'm not saying anything. But Garland's a garbage defender. And True. he's not. That's a good point, but. So he can always have a place on an NBA roster. You're right, I'm wrong. But it's important to note, too, that there is, although there's not a consensus top pick there is a top three and now we've passed it everybody's top, the only three guys that can be number one pick are jabari smith paolo benchero and chet holmgren ivy's the fourth guy 
I think, pretty concretely when it comes to consensus draft boards. Not saying anything about my ranking. Uh, yeah, consensus-wise, those three are the guys. They are yeah. the guys. So it's important to note that. But Ivy's he's going to be a guy that's lost in much of the discourse. If you're a more casual fan only on the Instagram stuff, you're not going to hear as much about him as the other three guys leading up into the draft. But it's important to evaluate all of these prospects. Nikola Jokic, for God's sakes, 42nd pick. Giannis, 15th. Any of these guys could become the next face of the NBA. So it's important to note that. Uh, you ready to move on to Shaden Sharp? Yep. Okay, Shaden is an 18-year-old, committed to Kentucky, did not play, however. So we only have him from high school. Yeah. And a little bit of European play. But that's not much Not much. To he kind of came out of nowhere. Indeed he did. He's mysterious because of the lack of evaluation. Crazy well, athlete. My problem is that a lot of it comes from highlights. Absolutely. Big plays. Yeah, because you don't get to when a guy plays overseas and doesn't doesn't play in college. Yeah. You don't get to watch film on every game. Mm-hmm. You get a select few at most if you're a scout. You don't get to see every single minute of him on the floor. Yeah. So that could mean that you see the lowest of the lows or the highest of the highs. You don't see a consistent package, and that's why it's really hard to evaluate Shaden Sharp as a prospect. He could be, you know. Everybody in the in any class has the potential to be the best in the class. But he could be best in the class. He could be bench warmer. You just don't know at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of him? I think I think he's crazy athletic. That's all I got. Um, he does have the ideal frame for your slashing wing superstar. But, and, not but, and, scouts and NBA executives seem to really like his personality. When he, what I've seen when he's come in to do workouts and do interviews and stuff, they really feel like he has the personality to be a team leader. He's extremely raw. Extremely. Um, and if he's on a bad team, then I expect early struggles. And I expect it to take five or six years to develop into what teams would want him to be. Because he just doesn't have as much basketball experience. Or he's Darius Garland and does it earlier, but I don't. I didn't expect Garland to do it that early, so I, I, I expect five or six years. So I think it's going to take a while. I think he's really risky, but I think he's got the body and the personality to be a top five pick. And to a lot of desperate NBA franchises, that's enough for them. Agreed. So now that we've got the basics of these five consensus, these top yeah. five consensus. Let's rank them starting at five up to one. Yeah. So who is your lowest ranked out of these five? Shade and Sharp. So is mine. And on my big board, he's actually seventh. He'd be somewhere around there for me. There are two. Somewhere like where Kaminga was. Same reason. Raw. Yeah. Got got to develop them. I was going to make that comparison. Yeah. You're number four. And so. yeah, same kind of body as Kaminga, too. Yeah, they're both athletic. But um, we even got to see more of Kaminga because he was in the G League. True. Yeah. Four. My number four is There's... Paulo Banchero. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I put, and you know, we have the consensus where Ivy is four. And I'll just say I have Ivy at three. But the reason I put... Him above Banchero is the health concerns. 
<clears throat> and I'm talking about if I were, I don't think this is going to happen, right? Because, you know, Jalen Green was taken second last time. I expect it to happen again. I expect Benchero to be the second pick. Do you? I think it'll happen. Okay. Um, especially if it's someone like the Rockets, who wants someone who could be the face of the franchise, but not necessarily be the most valuable person on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if it were me, the defensive ceiling for Benchero is pretty low. He's strong, but he's he doesn't have the lateral movement. Yeah. And and he seems kind of I don't know he not in tune with his body sometimes, and that's evident from the cramps and the I mean he just sometimes is I just think he's super risky as a top three pick, and I think Ivy is a really good like has a much higher floor and has about the same ceiling because he could be Ja Morant but a better defender, slightly less. Think about it. Slightly less offense than Morant, but twice the defense. My kind of player. Yeah. Ivy is fifth for me. And he's fourth out of these five players for me. Really? On on this ranking, yeah. Um, I like him when it comes to physical tools. I don't think that he is up there with any of these other four guys. He's shorter. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that unicorn ability. Even Banchero and Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. Holmgren is the poster boy for this unicorn thing this year. Yeah, but they're six ten and they can shoot potentially. Yeah. Although Banchero, Banchero is iffy at times, he has a clean stroke. If he's developed, it could be good. I agree that he's not engaged on defense. I don't agree that his defensive ceiling is low. I think it's pretty high. Not as high as Ivy's, but I've got Ivy fifth on my board. Who is your uh, next guy on this list? You said Ivy was your third. Yeah, my third. I'm scared. Is Jabari Smith? Yeah. Jabari. Why? Because of his defense. It's respectable, um, but he is not explosive. He can't follow guys even in the SEC already. He has trouble keeping up with those guys. Too skinny. Uh, I think he's a good three level. Too skinny. Yeah. Well, that's funny actually. You said that. When I say too skinny, I'm talking about. Too skinny in the ways that he also lets people push him around. Chet is skinny, but he still has one of the highest block percentages in the nation. He won't in the NBA. So this is your consensus number one, is Jabari Smith? Yes. Darn it! He's my number one. I thought it would be Banchero. It's not. It's not? Okay. Well, I like... It's Jabari Smith. I like Banchero a lot more than Jabari Smith. Why? Because of his strength, he Jabari Smith does not have the strength that Benchero has. Benchero played against greater competition. Depending on where Smith goes, I think that he's a 15-point-per-game scorer. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I strongly disagree with that. Yeah, he's my favorite. I think he could... I mean, we... I don't know if we've seen a better shooter... Who's above like six, eight, in maybe ever, forty five percent on five attempts per game? Give me a break, that's freaking amazing. He, I mean, yeah. I mean, and he shoots from the mid range, and he's comfortable with his jump shot. He can shoot it from anywhere on the court. 
and he's athletic enough to create space for those shots and tall enough, like Jason Tatum, to just rise up over certain defenders. He is not strong enough for me to trust him as an inside scorer in the NBA or as a defender in the NBA. Does, I cannot but he can him. be shifty enough and... I don't think so. Uh, don't think deadly sh- enough from the... from You have to respect That's exactly shot. what I'm saying. He's going to be a great shooter. You can respect that. That's the only part of his but game... But that's going to give him space to create in the paint. He's not a creator. That's the thing. I don't think that... I don't like his game as a creator for other people. Not at close... To Banchero in that respect. Well, none of these guys are good play, like great playmakers. They're none, none of them. these guys in the top five Ivy's are great good. playmakers. Ivy's pretty good. Yeah, and Sharp could be. We don't really. We don't know. know. <laughs> we don't really know. But yeah, Jabari Smith is my number three. Banchero <laughs> is my number two. And I figured. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking. I figured you might he, know. Chet has always been his guy. Yeah, we've been talking about Chet. And I get, I really do for a get long it. time because well, everything you and, said. And Chet is the uh, Trayvon Walker. Yeah, yeah there from you go. Anif- I mean, it's the same deal. You're right. Where I, I think you, you have to, you have to take a safe pick with number one. No, you don't. I, I do but think this, you have to believe uh, that they have a high ceiling. Yes. But you, you have to know that they have a high floor. Why? If he sucks, then you're going to be back in the lottery again. Maybe I'm just a haunted Cavs fan, and I don't want Anthony and, Bennett. Well, but this like, is not Anthony Bennett. It's not. I think that Jabari Smith is Neither is, is Jabari closer. Smith. I think he's closer to Anthony Bennett. Yeah, man. No, that's ridiculous. Chet Holmgren well, is Anthony a Bennett freak. had a weight problem, and Jabari Smith definitely doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Chet Holmgren does, and that he's too skinny. Yeah, it's the other kind. And he can, he can. One hundred ninety-five pounds. And he's already strong. He's a foot taller than me and weighs only thirty pounds more. And he's already strong. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if he does develop. He's his strong, body. but LeBron would break his arm if he tried to stuff LeBron. Think about Durant. Same thing. And I think Durant's Hol- arms are fine. His legs aren't twigs. Chet has twig. He does arms have skinnier arms. arms, but Durant was really skinny coming out of college, and he's a better defender now than Durant ever was. That is true. Yes, that is. And true. he has the potential to be. A, I'm not going to say he's going to be Durant on offense. He's already better than Durant on defense. Yes, which is a good sign. And for because of those physical tools, he's already strong. He's making pull-up transition three-pointers. Yes. You got to take him number one, no matter who you are. He can fit into he any just team. Can't gain weight. Why? And you, he don't, has to. you don't know that. He has to. When it, were you his trainer? His his like bot. I've read something today that was like a. I don't think a he's unable. scouting report that was like his his frame. I don't know how science works. Me okay, I I hate science. It's true, it's, I, it's my it's, least favorite subject. As it is mine. I don't know why. But his body is designed in a way where it would be difficult for him to gain weight. I do think it would be more difficult. I did. I know what you're talking about. Then let's say an Evan Mobley. It's possible. And even if he never gains another pound, <laughs> he already can develop his shot. He's a great defender already. And then have a career-ending injury in game 15. That can happen season. to anybody. That can happen to any yeah, player. But, yeah, it could happen to... Paulo Banchero, but it's I don't think minus point zero zero one, and then Holmgren's is like ten times that. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know, I disagree. So yeah, Holmgren is my guy, no matter who gets the first pick in the lottery, in my opinion. Um, what but, if the Cavs get the first pick? 
then no. Holmgren and Mobley? <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Yeah. You got to admit. <laughs> that would be cool. If the Cavs are in the top three, I, it's almost like unfair. Yeah. If they are. Um, it's crazy that they're in the lottery. As good as they were. Yeah. It's either it's either 14, 4, 3, 2, or 1. Really? That's how that works. It's 97%. 14. And then like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5. Yeah. Well, for your sake, I'm hoping that... I mean, that would be... That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. But I like all... I, 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 I want to say this, too. Yeah. Two years ago, or two drafts ago, right... You had the dilemma where the Timberwolves picked Edwards at number one, and then still on the board for the Warriors was Wiseman and LaMelo. Yeah. Better fit, Wiseman. Better player, LaMelo. But it made sense that they went with Wiseman because they're still of dynasty. And we'll have to wait for that. We'll have to wait for tomorrow. For to to see see what's going on with that. And we will definitely have a mock coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both of us. There is not a team, if, if all 30 teams were in the lottery... I really can't think of a situation where drafting Chet Holmgren at number one isn't the move. I can't think of a situation. Because Jabari Smith walks in and becomes your franchise player. And he would be the guy. If if there was um if there was a team that drafting Holmgren wasn't the pick, it would be Smith. Because you're looking for a guy to be a fourth option, third or fourth option. Immediately. That's what Smith will be. Immediately. You're right. I'm afraid he will be that for the duration of his career. That's what I'm worried about. No, 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 no. That's okay. nope. Wrong. That depends on where he goes. Look at Michael Porter Jr. What about him? Same frame. They can both shoot. He was the never upside. a number one pick. Yeah, but still, I mean, it look. I mean, they paid him the max. Yes, but if a team. If a team's best player was Michael Porter Jr., you're going to be looking for another Yeah, right. It's like, look at him in like five years. And then also, Michael Porter Jr., if you want to talk about... Career-ending injuries. Well, also, if you want to talk about... um, There's one. If you want to talk about uh, doesn't pay attention on defense, then Michael Porter Jr. is your guy. But, uh, yeah, I think Jaden Smith's the guy. Jabari Smith, sorry. I also want to say... He's my guy. If... This year's draft class and last year's draft class were combined. Who would you take number one? Evan Mobley. Me too. Yeah. Then I would because take... you've got a potential greatest defender of all time. Then I would take Cade Cunningham. Then I would take Jet. Yeah. And then I would take Jalen Green actually, who looked great to end the regular season. He looked great as a scorer. Mmm. Mmm. But that's it. Mama, that's as far as that goes. Th- that's what Jabari Smith is, but not even as, like, he doesn't Put have as Jaylen deep of a Green. bag. Switch Jalen Green and uh, Devin Booker, and it's the same. And Devin Booker is a very successful player. As much as I don't... His greatest feat of his career was staying with the Suns, because now he's lucky to be yeah. in their presence. I agree with that, but he's still a very successful player with a... Valuable skill set, although I find it replaceable. It is, and it's getting less valuable because there's so many other people that can do it too. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, I think we've reached the end, haven't we? We've reached the end. We're about to reach an hour. Yeah. Oh. I was. Pavement sweat. Get by the merch. Comfortable. Very affordable. Yeah, we made the prices low. 
We did. We only make two dollars for every purchase. for every purchase. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy it. Exactly. Support. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that it's like we we are friends of yours, and we make good products. Yeah, exactly. So and, why not support us? And it's affordable. That was what we wanted. We don't want to make money off of this. God, no. We want you guys to be happy in your new drip. Okay? Drip and we want you way. to feel that you're not taking too much out of your bag to get a $50 shirt from someone that... Are you really going to invest $50 in? No. Pavement sweat we know that you would, the world. But we don't want to do that to you. We've changed the world. So the sports world is different. Buy a $16 shirt. That's a good deal. Drink out of a, a fancy mug. $15. Please. Fancy. It's it. fancy. And while you're at it, while you're looking for that link. Well, yeah, while you're deciding which color to get, there's something else you have to remember. You've got to spread, spread peace, love, and joy.